I have to get others, so there you go. Well, uh, yesterday I had the opportunity, I'm going to call it that, to travel through winter into spring. Can you guess where I was? In the dark. It was snowing. It was icy. It was late. All of our very favorite thing to do, right? Come across the Kootenai Pass after a day of driving and find out that, oh, it's still winter up here. So, last night I drove through winter, but this morning I woke up to spring. Yes, spring in the valley. And isn't it awesome to see? So, I, to start out today, what have you been noticing? What are the signs of spring that you've been appreciating over the last few weeks? Shout it out. The frogs! Deafening sometimes, right? You've got to shut your windows at night. You're getting sleep around here. The frogs, yeah, what else? The birds. The birds have arrived. Yes, and what birds have you been noticing? Lots of, lots of ducks, different, different kinds of ducks. Yep. Yep. You've seen hummingbirds, Don? Boom. Well, I've got, you got me beat there over in West Crest. It must be a little warmer. <laughs> That's beautiful. What else? I think it's a blue day over by your house. Did you? I think so. It was all blue. Oh, it's a blue. Okay, we'll call it that. Awesome. Blue it say again? Skunk, cabbage, and black bears. It seems like every day Joanne goes for a walk recently, she shows it with a bear. <laughs> Daffodils. yeah. Twice. I know, I know my, my family's from Grand Prairie. And it's everything is in me to keep from saying on Facebook, shoot, I have to go mow the lawn again. They're <laughs> more like, shoot, I have to go shovel the snow again, right? Yeah. Any other signs? What have you been noticing? Rhubarb's coming up. Man, that's hardy stuff, eh? That's tall, Val. Wow. You've been manuring your rhubarb a little more than I have, obviously. Yeah. Rainbows, a beautiful rainbow coming back yesterday from Kelowna. Yeah. What? What else? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Right. Kids are playing outside a lot. Muddy dog. Muddy dog. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The muddy dogs. They're enjoying it too. Digging around. I've noticed the turkey vultures. I like to think that they're on a reconnaissance mission. Looking for the fallen soldiers of winter. <laughs> they're the first class cleanup crew, and they're out there working away, right? Yes, and the magnolia in our front yard is all just just coming out. Well, we visited Arnie and Dream LeBrant's on Friday night in Kelowna, and their magnolia is already like on the ground, like the, the, the petals have all fallen off already. Uh, just to show you a little difference there, ours is just just coming out. All this glory, all this beauty, it's, it's amazing. Spring is, has come, or it's coming to the valley, and it's beautiful to see. But when you watch carefully, there's something else going on as well. Have you seen it? Something great, something wonderful. All around us, God is being worshipped by His creation. You notice that? Everywhere you look, Creation is praising God. Did you hear the lines of Psalm 148 that Jackie read? Uh, Praise the Lord, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, 
wild animals and all livestock, small, scurrying animals and birds. It sounds a bit like the Crescent Valley, eh? I mean, you could basically just substitute a Crescent Valley. Crescent Valley, mountains, hills, fruit trees, cedars, praising the Lord. The Crescent Valley, dairy cows and horses, sheep and even goats, muskrats and moles, rough-legged hawks and kestrels, all giving praise to their Creator. But have you ever wondered how creation praises God? I mean, we hear it, we hear the call, but how does that exactly happen? Like, how do mallards praise God? How do the dark-eyed junkers glorify their Creator? How does the majestic skimmerhorn praise His Majesty? You know, how does that happen? And then, and then maybe, and a really important question for us, what do we have to do with any of that? Like, what's the connection to us? Throughout the Psalms, we hear this creation-wide call to worship. Everyone is invited. Everyone gets in on the praise chorus. Everyone joins the great song of the Creator. Together, we worship the great God who's made us, who's given us life and breath and grace and space. During this last week, many people from around the world, some of whom don't acknowledge the Creator necessarily, many who do, they, they came together and they, they celebrated Earth Day, this call to action to care for God's good earth. And today, we join many other Christian churches along with Arasha Canada celebrating Good Seed Sunday, celebrating the God who's made us, who's formed this good creation, who has given us life and called us into a caring, loving world with creation. In light of that, this morning, we're going to explore Psalm 148 and see where this song takes us. And I hope we have time for Q&A today. So if the questions come up as we're going through a sermon, uh, Al's going to come around with the microphone a little later, and we'll have an opportunity to ask some questions and dialogue a bit about it. So starting off like many of the other psalms, Psalm 148 starts off with, Praise the Lord. That's what this psalm is all about. And you can't really miss it. It's all about praising God. And why? Very simply because God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our honor. God is our creator. He made us. We owe Him everything from the air we breathe to the food we eat to the bodies we have to the life we live. God is the source and the sustainer of our very lives. Worship and praise and glorifying God is our way of saying, God, you are so great. You are so amazing. Everything I see and everything I experience, everything I have is a gift from you and you are amazing. You're worthy of our praise. Thank you. And as we do that, we're reminded that everything we have is a gift as we look at our Creator and our our Giver. This call to worship is universal. Everybody's included. No one's missed out. So that's how it starts. Praise the Lord. With this all-inclusive call in mind, the, the psalmist, the songwriter, he gets more specific and he calls out areas of creation, specific areas of the worshiping creation. He calls them to respond. He starts first with the heavens. You'll hear it. He starts first with the creation that is far above us. So listen to this. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the skies. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all the twinkling stars. Praise Him, skies above. Praise Him, vapors high above 
the clouds. May every created thing give praise to the Lord, for He issued His command and it came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Do you know how big that call is? I mean, we all kind of have a vague idea that there's billions and billions of galaxies and stars out there, right? They're all being called into worship. All of heavens, including the stars that we see and the angels that we don't, are all called to worship. And it reminds us of another classic creation hymn, Psalm 19. A hymn that has inspired stargazers and astronomers ever since it was written. Listen to this from Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voices never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. Their words to all the world. Yes. Joining in the great song of all creation, we can hear the music of the spheres, the stars, the suns, the galaxies, even the angels, as they proclaim the glory of our great God. But the psalmist isn't done. After calling all the heavens to praise their Creator, he calls all of earth to join in their song. Here's how it continues. Praise the Lord from the earth. You creatures of the ocean depths. You've all heard a whale sound, right? Think of them glorifying and worshiping God. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey Him. Mountains and all hills fruit trees and all cedars wild animals and all livestock small scurrying animals and birds isn't that awesome every aspect of creation is included in this great song from snails to sandpipers from moose to marmots from hawks to herons they all get in and we kind of get that don't we You know, when we look at the world that God made, we marvel at its beauty, at its grace, at its intricacy. We can see how God's power and creativity is made known in the world that He made. And even people who aren't overly spiritual, maybe maybe you're here today, and and you're not too sure what you think of God, what you think of Jesus, but maybe even you yourself and many others who would be in a similar place to you, they, they look at the stars. They look at the mountains. Maybe you've done that. You've looked at it and you've said, you know, this is truly amazing. This is, this is incredible. And maybe you've even asked the question, maybe there's someone or something out there that's greater than me. So even those who just said share a Christian worldview have looked at the world and said, wow, there's something awe-inspiring. There's something worshiping about it. As Christians, we hear creation's symphony of praise to God. But that's not all. The psalmist uh, doesn't just stop with mountains and animals. We have a tendency to stop there, right? We have a tendency to go, the mountains are beautiful, but I, you are not. Uh, the stars are wonderful, but what happened to you, right? Or to look around the world at people and go, 
oh man, really? I, I prefer just to be away from people and see the trees, right? But that's, that's not the way the psalmist sees things. Humans are part of God's creation, a really important part, and, and we are called into this great chorus as choir members of creation. From small scurrying animals to birds, the psalmist moves without hesitation to kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth. Young men, young women, old men and children. Let them all praise the name of the Lord. For his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. He has made his people strong, honoring his faithful ones, the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. Let me ask you, who was excluded from this psalm? You know, can you think of an animal that doesn't count? Other than mosquitoes. You think of an animal that doesn't count? Uh, maybe there's a tree out there, or some kind of moss, or a mountain or two, or a swamp that I don't particularly like, that's somehow not included in this psalm? Not included in this call to worship? Can you think of a man or a woman, or maybe a group of people or a sect of society who are not invited, who are not actually commanded to worship their creator? There's no one. No one's excluded from this call. Everyone is called to join in the song of all creation to their creator God. So I want to ask you, how does that work? Or what does that look like? What does it mean that mountains and moles, people like you and I, praise God? Well, we start by remembering something very basic, something very fundamental to following Jesus. It's fundamental to Christian theology, if you want to put it that way. Everything created by God was created for relationship with Him. Everything that was created by God was created for a relationship with Him. Now, every created thing relates to God according to its nature, because the way that an eagle relates to God is different than the way a tree relates to God is different than the way you and I relate to God. But on its feet, it comes down to this. Creation praises God by being God's creation. Creation praises God by being God's creation. A duck praises God by being the duck that God created it to be. A galaxy desires a God by existing as the galaxy that God created it to be. A mole honors God by being a mole. Because God created it that way. And us, we human beings, we give glory to God by being the human images of God that He created us to be. And all together, we join this great song of praise to God. The humans, the animals, the trees, the mountains, the angels, the stars, the galaxy, all of creation was created for a relationship with God, and it's in that dynamic relationship that God has given praise and glory and honor because He deserves it. God delights in the antics of ducks and the upward spiral of a hunting hawk. God is praised when robins nest and frogs croak. God is honored when humans live in right relationship with Him, being all that He has created them to be, rightly related to His creation. But there's a challenge, right? Because human beings created in the image of God, each and every one of us created in the image of God, have a choice whether or not to be fully human. 
to live according to the way that God has actually created us to live. That's human freedom. And God gave it to us, and it's at the heart of what it means to be a human image of God. And it's actually one of the reasons why human sin has messed up the world that we live in. Evils don't launch off their eerie and decide, today I'm going to be less of an evil. Right? Bears do not awake from winter hibernation and say, oh, I'm going to try to be a little bit like a bear this year. No, they head straight for the dump. Or your beehives. <clears throat> but humans, we can actively choose to follow or not to follow our Creator's direction and design. We have that choice. And there's many, many implications for this. Implications that I think we're always unpacking. Trying to understand what is God's design? What is God's direction? How is God calling me to live in relationship with my family, with my spouse, in, in my workplace setting? How is God shaping me and calling me according to the purpose that He's created me for? And, and how, do we, how do we do this you know, church community thing? All of these it implicates every bit of that. But today, I'd like to focus on one specific area the way that we as humans affect the worship of God. Let me be more clear. The way that our lives affect creation's worship of God. Follow with me here. Human beings created in the image of God were created explicitly to care for the earth. Remember Genesis 1, 26. You can also see more in Genesis chapter 2. But in Genesis 1, God says, Let us make human beings in our image. Who like us? They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, running over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Being human, by definition, means caring for, ruling over, stewarding the earth as God's images, as God's representatives. And just so we're clear, we're not unpacking all this today, but the word rule here is not a domination rule, it's a caring rule. It's something that seeks the earth's goodness so that it can flourish and grow and be all that God has created us to be. That's the reigning and the ruling that's mentioned here. And we know this. This is basic Christian teaching. It's like one-on-one stuff, although the church has often lost sight of that. But it's very, very fundamental to what it means to be human, what it means to be godly, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Well, I've only reflected on Psalm 148, this incredible, all-inclusive call to worship. And I, I brought that together with our basic mandate that as human images we were, ca- we were created to care for the earth. Something kind of clicked for me. Something clicked in my, in my heart, in my mind. And here it is. How much I care for God's good earth is actually connected to how much I value God being worshipped. How much I value God's creation, God's earth, is connected to how much I value God being worshipped by His creation. So I'd unpack this a little bit. This Psalm 148 call to worship puts you and I alongside the rest of creation. 
This is really fundamental to the psalm. Together, as created beings, we share this praise to the Creator. We, we praise our shared Creator for His goodness, for His grace, for His glory, for who He is. And the lineup is all wrong. It's, it's, we're all together in this. As human beings, we share the praise platform with the mountains and the mammals. We give praise to God as mutual members of all creation. This is really clear through this. I, actually, one of my favorite parts in this psalm is where, is where he moves from small, scary animals to kings of the earth. Because for some of us, that's kind of how we thought of kings of the earth, right? Some form of a small, scary animal through history and maybe even today. But here we are, we're all called to worship. We're all, we're all standing in the choir together. And in, in that place, when we're all praising our Creator, we stand as creation, worshiping God. We stand with one another. And what struck me here is that it's as we're worshiping together with creation that something changes in us, in our heart for creation. In a nutshell, worship motivates stewardship. Worship motivates stewardship. We love and value God so much that we want to see God more worshipped. We want to see God more praised. We want to see our Creator more glorified because of how amazing and good He is. And even though we have been set as human images over creation in our responsibility to care for it, this mandate over creation doesn't separate us from creation. Rather, it's like we've given, been given a role in, in, in leading the song. We, we've been given a role in creating spaces and places where abundant worship can happen. We've been creating or called to create beautiful structures and to encourage the growth and the vibrancy of God's earth. Why? So that more and more praise can be given to our great God. Worship motivates stewardship. Do you see the connection? I was really struck by this. Worshiping with creation motivates our stewardship of creation. Because God is more honored and more praised when His creation is vibrant and flourishing. We intuitively know that. We intuitively know that there's something more worshipful about a vibrant, growing valley than something that's been decimated by a nuclear leak or, or something that Soviets did. Or, I mean, the places that you can go in this world where it's just been, just been ruined. You know, looking at that, that's not giving praise to God. Not the way it was intended to. There's something beautiful as we see a creation that's vibrant and alive. If we will understand ourselves as worshippers with creation, as created human images of God, worshipping our Father together, we will become better stewards of creation. So that together with all of creation, we glorify and praise our Creator God. Because God is worthy of it. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of the praise of creation. And we can take Psalm 148 and we can sing it out. We can call creation to worship Him as we live with a heart for the creation's praise. So there's a lot of good reasons. We can line them up. We can list them. There's a lot of good reasons to care for God's good earth. And we, we know what some of them are. Many of you are so good at this. But here stands, I believe, a uniquely Christian reason for creation care. And here it is. The more creation grows, the more praise God gets. The more creation flourishes, the more God is honored. Do you see the connection? 
Worshiping with creation motivates our stewardship of creation. What kind of questions does that raise for you? What kind of questions do you have about what we're talking about? It can be, you know, about, about any of this. It can be about the text. It can be about the topic. But what kind of questions does this raise for you? Practical questions, real questions. How does our worship motivate our creation care? What questions do you have about that? Um, Al has a microphone, so if you'd like to speak, raise your hand high, and, uh, and we'll get the mic to you so that it can be recorded, okay? What kind of questions do you have? Right here, Al. Cheryl has a question. Hey, I love this. Um, it's not a question, but it's this quote that I've had that I just love, and it just fits right along. Please give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> the creator is glorified when the creation does what it was created to do. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Cheryl. Other questions or, or comments? Uh, Martin. We're making our run, hey? So when, when Martin's on, we're going to ping, back, ping pong back all the way across. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. So be thinking about what questions you might want to ask or comments you want to make. Go ahead, Martin. Well, as you spoke, I was thinking about uh, the way we live our lives and like getting oil and not to put a guy from Grand Prairie on the spot <laughs> but <laughs> like the tar sands for example I know we all benefit from that oil sure. where does that fit for Christian living when we the way we live our lives drive cars it's a pretty deep question or a deep sure. comment you're making yeah. if we're looking at us being stewards of nature yeah. not abusing it etc so right so the big questions that come up immediately are questions like what about industry like how do we how do we do that? Because we need that. We need industry. And even here in this valley, many of us live here because we're supported by, by, by working on Alberta, right? And uh, of course, my family, we're all, we're, all, we're all implicated anyway. The question, I think, I mean, we need to think hard and ask those good questions. I think part of my challenge or my thought is how do we approach that with a Christian, uniquely Christian vision that doesn't just say... Um, it's, it's just either or, it's, it's, it's this or it's this, you know, because that really won't go very far. Um, some of my friends at Arasha, um, uh, Arasha Canada, they, they say, really, creation was designed by God to be a win for everybody, right? That's how it's designed. God created this world to work. And actually, he created it to work really well, right? And so if there's places in creation that aren't working well, we're responsible to ask questions for, like, why isn't that working well? Like, what's, who's losing here? And how do we think things through from the perspective that says humans and creation were created to not just coexist, but to mutually support one another? We, we know that's inherently true. We know that's true on a, a more local scale. How do we ask some of the big questions that say, as a Christian, we believe that creation was designed to work? We actually believe that God created the world not just as something to you know, be utility to us, not something just to serve us, but actually God created creation because He loved it. He wants the creation just being all that creation was created to be. And so God gets glory just from that. Not just because it serves us, right? 
there is within creation uh, is designed for us, right? And, and we, we serve it and it serves us. There's a mutuality there. But we have to be willing, I think, as Christians to ask hard questions, but questions that open up possibilities rather than shut down conversations. I mean, as we nurture conversations with, with others around, for example, tar sands or, or vehicles or whatever, um, what I notice is a lot of times the way that the questions get posed is just shuts down conversation. People get really defensive because of the, the feeling sensitive about it or they feel attacked. I think we've got to be willing as Christians to say, look, let's, first of all, as Christians, begin to deal with what's at, right, right at the root of things here. That we actually believe that God created this world. He said it was good. He created it to be in right relationship with us. Human sin has affected that. One of the beautiful things about Genesis chapter 3 is we, it shows us very clearly that human sin affects creation. It affects it. What we do affects creation. A lot of us aren't willing to admit that. We wrestle with that. But it's right there in Genesis 3. Human sin affects creation. And so we've got to learn to accept that we have a responsibility. We have an effect on creation. As our population grows, an even greater effect. To be willing to ask some of those hard, some, some of those hard questions. So I don't have an answer to that, Martin. But I think we've got to be willing to enter the conversation with a good, firmly rooted theology in God's Word around what does it mean to be in God's creation as image bearers of God reflecting his goodness to creation which includes humans and the rest of creation thank you Val over here um, Al I'm not quite sure how to say this but um are we not basically talking about that when we glorify God, it leaves us open to beyond ourselves to recognize what is out there and what God has provided? When we when we sin, um, Satan brings us to um, an inward an inwardness to the point where our world continually shrinks, and it's all about us, and it's all about our own sin and that glorifying God um, opens us up to the realm of, of who he is and what he has created and it's just like um, a whole new different way of, of looking at things and so it's all of, when you give glory to God you just have this uh, next vision of what God has for the world or for us Thank you, Val. I mean, one of the things that we don't have time to unpack today, we've talked about it a little bit before, is, you know, the only images of God that were allowed in the time of the Israelites, or allowed in the Bible, are images and idols, same word, right? So the only images that were allowed, don't make any images of God. Why? Because there's already images of God. They happen to be you and I. We're the human beings created in the image of God. And what we realize is that as we worship our God, we are then recreated in His image. Right? As we're worshiping God, as we accept what Jesus has done for us, and as we're being shaped by Him, we're becoming more of who God created us to be. And part of that is being, as you said, not um, closed in on ourselves, but open up to being the servant of others and the servant of His world and people who who want to see restoration, who want to see God's goodness flow. And that happens, I believe, as we worship and let God deal with our sin, but also be reshaping us in His image to be who He's created us to be. Thank you, Val. One more question today or comment? Ruth. Microphone's coming. 
I think one of the unfortunate things is how that it, it looks like it's the environmentalists against uh, industry. But I, I really feel like what you're saying is I think that if Christians were open to say, hey, you know, we can have industry, but God could give us the ideas and the inventions to make that so creation isn't destroyed. You know, there are, and I think it's a little bit, this came to me of how, you know, as Canadians, I think we're finally opening up to think, hey, you know, we can do things. And I think Christians need to think that too. God can give us amazing inventions and ideas if we're open to it. But we have to be open to it. And I think that Christians in the marketplace, in these places, need to say, Lord, how do we prevent some of this stuff happening? How can you help our industries? And, you know, that's what I really feel that the Lord wants, is for us to be open to his ideas, his way. He made these, he put in the soil, he put underground all this stuff for us to use, I believe. But not to destroy it, not to be greedy, but to use it. And, and so, yeah, there will be ways to do it if we're open to it. Absolutely, thank you. And, then, and I think as we prayerfully and openly approach and, and seek relationships, um, I mean, one of the advantages that we, advantages we have as, as Christians, I believe, is we, we, we need to lead in this so that we can engage in right relationships. We believe that everything God has created is created for a relationship. Relationships with humans, relationships with each other, relationships with His creation. God created us for right relationships. That's what it means to be holy people. And so when we think about these issues, um, to approach it with a faithful and a, and a, a hope-filled um, you know, desire to see goodness come to people's lives as well as God's creation. And I believe, I believe you're right, God can lead us in that. But it starts with each one of us kind of at a fundamental core level starting to line up some things. Try not just accept the lines of either the environmentalist or the industry. We don't just accept the lines we're fed, but to say, in the scripture, there's a clear call from God to us to worship with creation and to care for his creation. And we cannot get around that. And I believe that it's in that context we can be led into seeing creation flourishing even more and what we'll see is God being praised even more. And that's what we want. That's the whole point of this. Well, how do we take action? I want to ask you a question that I hope will be a practical question for you or a provocative question at least for you. Here's my question to leave you with today. How can you join or even enhance the great song of all creation to our Creator God. How can you do that? And I want to challenge you this week to take some concrete step, some action. First of all, it starts with us actually giving praise. We need to become a worshipping people. Right? The ducks are out there worshipping God right now. They are. You may not be aware of it, but they are. We as people, creating the image of God with choice, need to actually choose to say, God, you are great. Become a worshipping people. This is true of us as a community, and it's true of us as individuals, that we need to live a life that says, God, I want to live a life that glorifies you, that gives you praise and honor and glory because you're worth it. Because you created me, and, and you, you have a purpose for my life. And part of that purpose, maybe, maybe the over-encompassing purpose of that, is to be in this relationship of worship with you, and then in that context, to be serving you in my world. So, first step, we want to become worshipers. And that isn't just singing a song in church, though that's important. 
Though that's part of it. Corporate worship is beautiful and, and beautiful to God's ears. But how can we as a people become a worshiping community that lives our lives for the glory of God? In the way that we, we relate, in the way that we live, in the way that we serve, we are a worshiping people. And that really, it starts right there. But secondly, I'd like to give you a assignment this week, if, you, if I could. Maybe, maybe this week, you need to tune your ears to listen to creation's song. Maybe you need to acknowledge today that your ears are a bit deaf. And I don't mean just physically. But deaf to the song of creation. That somehow, you know, the galaxies have been singing and the birds have been tweeting and, 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 and but somehow it's just, it's just going past you. And that maybe the challenge for you is to begin to listen to creation's song. I mean, there's two ways you can do that. I mean, the first way this, this week, take, take, take a child with you, take a friend with you, go yourself, by yourself if you want, but get out into God's creation. And you know what? That can be downtown Creston. Or it can be at the top of Mount Thompson. It can be out in the field with a bunch of cows. Or it can be somewhere down by... I don't really care. But get outside in God's creation and listen. Lay down somewhere and listen. Now, if you do that on Canyon Street, you might get noticed. But if you do that out in the bush somewhere, only the squirrels will wonder what's up. But listen to the song of creation. Begin to hear and see and feel how creation is worshipping God by being what God has created it to be. And then maybe there's an aspect of creation. This is kind of part two of this listening bit. Maybe there's an aspect of creation that has intrigued you. Maybe you found a bug under your sink. And you're intrigued. Just before you smashed it. Um, maybe, maybe there's a bird that's just returned from migration. Or, or maybe, maybe there's a tree that you've been wondering about. Or, or maybe, maybe there's a, a really cool-looking moss or fungus that you've been wondering about, you know? Why don't you learn about that? Why don't you take that aspect of creation and check a book out of the library? Or go online and find out more about this tree or about this beetle or about this bird. Because you know what? I believe that as we come to understand what a flourishing moss looks like, or what a flourishing mole looks like, okay, move on, move on. You know, as we learn about how creation flourishes, you'll get a better idea of how that creation, that aspect of creation, is worshiping the Creator. Because it is. So, how can we tune our ears to listen more? So, we give praise to God when we listen to creation's song. And then I think we do begin to pay attention. This is another example of something you could do. You pay attention to your influence. Maybe today for the first time you realize, I actually have not just influence on creation, everyone's been telling me that, but I actually have some responsibility for this. Well, maybe it's time to stop yourself and start thinking, well, what influence am I having? Am I helping creation praise God? Am I creating spaces and places for that to happen? Or am I generally hindering it? I think we have to ask that question. And let's, and let's just put the whole guilt thing to rest here. Not to induce guilt. Guilt is, guilt, guilt is dumb. Guilt doesn't do anything for us, right? Guilt doesn't motivate us. Not a guilt thing. Put that aside. But an invitation. As we hear creation's song, to say, you know what? 
I want to be, I want to be part of this chorus. I want to influence creation. I want to influence my little patch of dirt. I want to influence the trees around me. I want to influence the people around me to know that God has created them, that He's a good God, that He's worthy of our worship. I want to see people around me flourish in their design. I want to see the world around me flourish. And so I want to take stock of ways I might be hindering or helping creation. Praise God. And then you might want to get really concrete and take a step out, a concrete step. Maybe you want to join an organization like Arasha. Maybe you want to get to know more about them. Maybe you, want to, uh, maybe you want to think of some practical things we can do as a community around creation care. Maybe you want to look into organizations like Wild Sight or the Food Action Coalition. Both organizations of which you can find a lot of information from Drew. Give away, Drew. Sorry. There, that man right there can tell you about both those organizations. But they're great organizations doing great things. Whether or not everyone involved understands some of the basic Christian theology we do doesn't really matter. The point is, together, we can share our vision to see creation praising God. Together, we can join that course. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what your practical step is, but here's the deal with any teaching of Scripture. We don't just listen. We respond. Right? We don't just let it go in one ear and out the other and go, well, great, 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 great sermon, Tom. We act on it as faithful people of God. We take God's word to heart and we respond. God is worthy of our worship. And God's good creation in all of its glorious, stunning diversity voices the goodness and the majesty and the power of our Creator day and night, covering billions of galaxies down to the smallest anthill down to the homes of you and I, 24-7, 365 a year, in ways that we can only barely comprehend, this course of creation continues, giving glory and honor to God. And we are part of that song. Loving God with all of our hearts and our minds and voices and lives, longing for our God to be worshipped and praised even more by the creation He's made. This is the privilege that we have. We're called to join in on this symphony. To bring our voice and our bodies and our minds and our hearts and our lives into this great song of all creation. Praise the Lord. Let's sing the doxology together as we close this message time. We're going to move to communion, but let's sing the doxology together. Will you stand with me and let's sing Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Here it is.